Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Nick Appleyard, the CEO of TriStar Gold. Yet another South American gold exploration story. However, they have differentiated themselves by doing a deal with Royal Gold, the large royalty company. Uh, it's 1.5% NSR with 20 million of warrants. We talked through their business model. Nick knows exactly the point at which he is going to exit or they are going to exit uh, and let others who are perhaps more experienced come in and build this thing out. Uh, we talked to him about that, their cash position and management shares and options. Enjoy the podcast. Hey Nick, how are you doing sir? Very good, thank you. It's very good to be here. Yeah, well, th- thanks for uh, coming on and telling us your story. So it's new to our audience. Can you kick off and give us a one-minute overview of the business, and we'll pick it up from there? Yeah, um, TriStar Gold. We're developing a one gold project. We're just a single asset um, explorer developer, and we've got a gold property in Pará State, Brazil. You didn't use your full minute, but uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you got to the point. Sorry, yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty good at being very, very succinct. Succinct. Okay, gold star. Um, okay, so I'm interested in um, understanding. You know, how did you get involved with this project, and what you know, what indeed are you trying to do here? What are you trying to build? You know, and what's the end game look like? So maybe talk us through your your, your thinking uh, on that. How we got into it? Well, I came into the company doing a, a management takeover in December 2015. And, and I brought with me a team of effectively project developers. Um, over the previous 10 years, we'd all worked together, firstly with International Minerals, developing Pine Catter and Immaculata in Peru, which are now core assets of Hothschild mining. And then we did um, Chaparral Gold in Nevada, again, developed the Goldfield property through to a production decision, which is now in construction, I believe. Um, and then we went looking for where we could use our skill set again, where we can take this, this set of skills we have to take a project from an exploration discovery through to a production decision. Sort of, it's jokingly gets called the middle bit, but there's a lot of work and there's a lot of skills required to do that. Okay, so, and, and tell me a little bit about the, you mentioned a couple of projects which you've kind of delivered with Hoskchild or, building out, but you know, were you involved from exploration stage and then offloaded? Is it a direct parallel to what you're trying to do now? It was, International Minerals was a bigger company. It was a, a, a very big junior, I'd say. Um, so we had an exploration team and we had myself leading the corporate development, the technical team on development. So we did do the exploration and we discovered Pine and Catter. And then it was sort of handed to me and I took it through, Ford developed it. And, um, and then Hothschilds came in and we did the joint venture with them. They put it into production and mined it very successfully. Um, as they were putting that into production, we did exactly the same. We, we discovered the, the poor body of Immaculata, um, advanced it to a certain stage, I think to PEA as well. And then, okay, Hothschilds came in and, and took over that one as well. Okay. So it's it's a very similar phase here. I think we we see our skill set of the team that's moved forward of from discovery, someone else discovering it, to a production decision. Right, okay. So today, you've got a PEA. The numbers look quite good. But I just remind people some of the PEA numbers. Yeah, I mean, we, we ran it at 1250 gold, and um, we had a post-tax IRR of 43%, and um, post-tax MPV of $264 million. All-in sustaining was just under $700 an ounce. Um, so and, and it, average production rate was about 135,000 ounces a year. So, And that was just on one 
corner of the project. Right. So I think that was exceptional, you know, the results that came out of that. No, it's, it's exceptional. Even with a sort of 30% variance either way on a PEA, those are good numbers. And obviously at 1250 gold, uh, today's a very different environment. So um, I, I guess the, the only thing on that was it's an eight-year mine life, but I think you just indicated it's only one small part of the project. So what are you doing now to build that up? Well, at the, at the time, we were still drilling out. I think we got out. We had 1.3 million ounces inferred and 700,000 indicated. And in 2018, there was no value being assigned for additional inferred ounces. So that's why we stopped drilling out. Um, now, it's a little bit of who you know, pays the piper, calls the tune. With our investment last year from Royal Gold, you know, buying a 1.5% royalty from us, that's driving us, okay, let's take this portion of the property through the production as quickly as we can, get it on that path, which is the PEA portion of the asset. Um, and then we're raising separate money to explore the rest of the property. That's kind of interesting the way they, the, the market has segued, you know, but I think, you know, maybe up until a couple of, well, 18 months ago even, the, the standard business model was let's just build out resource. The price of gold isn't doing much. Hopefully there's yeah. some cycle coming through here. And sure enough, August, September, it started to move again. So you're finding that with your, your partner, with, um, with uh, sorry, final gold payments from who? So who was it? Royal, Royal Gold. Royal, Royal Gold, yeah. Um, with Royal Gold's payment, they're, they're sort of driving the strategy slightly. They're, they're, they have needs which are more immediate because typically those NSR projects, people are happy to sit on them for a while, but I guess they want to take advantage of that well, situation. This, because Royal Gold, they didn't come into an equity finance. They, did, they bought a, a 1.5% royalty. They get their money back when it starts production. So it's, yeah, it's, it's quite an obvious thing. Okay, um, let's start moving it towards production. They also know that if you move what we call Esperanza South, which is the focus right now, towards production. The rest of the project will evolve naturally, and you've got quite a lot of, you know, you've got a time frame to do that as you're moving that path forward. So, so it's it's a good path, you know. We're not we're not unhappy with it, and to drill out and add more inferred ounces at this point, um, if they're incremental, you know, would have marginal value. If it's a, a big jump in numbers, then yeah, that's a different different story. You sound happy with that. It was kind of it goes along with what your thinking was. I guess you wouldn't have approached them or been able to get over the line if you didn't agree with that. And as a model, we've seen work a lot um, at the moment. But what? But at the eventually, you're going to need to build this thing out. I mean, what do you know about what you've got? Because I know you've been doing some drilling, but it's been very specific drilling. So, what do you know about the total project? Um, very little. It's the truth at this point. We we know. We've got about, we've identified so far about 19 kilometers when sort of gold bearing conglomerates seem to come to surface. Some points it's got very steep and it's not probably that amenable to open pit mining, but some points it's nice and shallow and it seems amenable to open pit mining. Um, yeah, we've drilled it. We've sort of set, selected about six kilometers of that to move forward, you know, under the sort of royal gold investment. That six kilometers we know a lot about. Um, the rest of it, it's really early days. It's really early days. All we know, it seems to have been, it was all part of the same system. So it's not like you're trying to find another raw body. It's part of the same system. It's just now, okay, where's where's the next bit where it's going to be amenable and the highest profit margin? Okay, well, let's come back to that in a second. So you've been doing some RC drilling. You've 
had some nice numbers coming out. Do you want to you want to tell us about what was the plan there, and you know, do you move into diamond drilling at some point, or is it just stick with what you got? Yeah, no, the RC drilling is um, it was infill drilling, so it's the 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 plan for it is to upgrade the inferred ounces to indicators that can be used in the pre-feasibility study. Um, we prefer RC drilling to core drilling in this deposit for a couple of reasons. Um, get a RC returns a bigger sample, so statistically it can be more relevant than a smaller diameter core. Um, but what we actually do is we combine RC with an optical televiewer, so that detail that you lose in RC, which is you're getting small broken chips instead of a nice core to look at, we get from the images and we actually get more because we can measure it and get a lot of other detail out of that. So, and then it's half the price and it's probably three or four times faster. Okay. So there's a lot of benefits to it. Absolutely. So, I mean, tell me a bit about it. I know you've got cash at the moment, so you don't need to go running back to the market, say, for the next 12 months or so. But when you do come back, how do, how, how do those funds or how do those institutions look at RC drilling? Do they give you the same credit or do they kind of discount it? I haven't had any concerns really i've had a i've heard a few stories i mean there's a few you know i think um me growing up in australia everything's rc drilling to start with canada they start with core brazil they've done more core initially um but once people especially once they've seen the televiewer images and they realize that, that you're not losing anything in data there um we haven't really had any pushback on it at all and we've got enough twin holes to be able to show that we get good results as well and again, so, and what does happen over the next twelve months? You know, what what is the data that you're building, data set that you're building up over the next twelve months? You know, obviously the drilling, but over and above that, which would lend comfort to you know lenders. So there's 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 two paths or two channels, as you might say. The one is the pre feasibility study. So we, as I said, upgrading the inferred to indicated, doing the metallurgical testing, the geotechnical work, the environmental work, all that stuff that's going to go into pre feasibility study of engineering. That will be complete somewhere. I mean, it was going to be the end of this year, but with COVID-19, there's a bit of a delay to so early next year. So that's one path. Esperanza South will have, you know, a stack of reports with engineering stamps on them and stuff saying, yeah, this is, this is what it is. Our aim is in that same 12-month period to be able to, we haven't really touched on what we're doing with gold spot discoveries, but we're doing the, the expiration upside so that when that expiration, pre-feasibility study is delivered, we can say, plus, we've got this upside sort of delineated or identified yet. It won't be drilled out to resources, but we want to be able to identify it and say, there's this as well. Okay, so but, but your, your PFS is very much geared towards this this initial um, go-to-market strategy that you're going with um, based off your discussions with Royal Gold. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, the PFS is based on that. And it, and it also helps very generally de-risk the project by showing you can advance it through the permitting stages and you're getting the community integration and um, environmental baseline work is all moving forward. So it, it is a, even though it's part of it, it, it de-risks the whole project to a certain extent. Beautiful. Okay. And so I know you've got cash, but remind people how much cash you've got. Uh, we've got about 5 million US in the bank right now. Right. Okay. And yeah. um, how's that being allocated? Right now, the majority of that is going to be Roughly, you would say, you know, a million dollars around the company, four million to finish the pre-FS and a million on the expiration work. Round numbers. Okay, great. I'm happy with that. Um, okay, so tell me about Brazil because, you know, different companies are able to do different things and depending on which state 
they're in. You're in para state, reasonably good mining state. Um, you, what sort of permits and licenses are you waiting for at the moment as you go through this process? They are notoriously slow at their mm. permit, permitting and licensing in Brazil. That's that's well known. Um, currently, we are on track. Uh, just as a very quick summary, effectively, you get six years to explore a concession. You then get, once that exploration is complete, you get one year to show there's some economic value on it with a scoping study, concession-based one. And then once you get that approved, you then move forward to, to mining concession and full permitting. So, so our main concession where three quarters of our resources are is, is in that phase now where we're waiting on the approval of our economic assessment and it's moving into mining concession and full permitting. So it's been moving forward well, not quickly, but moving forward smoothly. And um, yeah, we have no real complaints on that. The rest of our concessions, the only frustration for me is you can't agglomerate everything and treat it as a project. You're still treating them as individual concessions. That, that's the bit that frustrates me to tell the truth. You know, so we've sort of got one concession that's in its first three years, one concession in its second three years, you know. So you've got to be tracking it all the time. But it works. Like you said, it's a mining jurisdiction. The, the real big thing for me is for our state government are pro-mining. They, they recognise the value of the development for them. So you've got a bit of a wind in your, in your back. And, and they're approachable. That, that's one thing I've changed in the five years I've been working here. When we started, it didn't seem they were that approachable. Now we seem to have very good relationships with them through through our chief geologist and that NASA and our lawyers in Brazil. They can just call them up and say, "What's happening with this? What's happening with that?" And you, you can get an answer pretty quickly. Right. You might not get movement quickly, but you know you'll get there. You know you'll, you'll move through. And I should say, obviously, with COVID nineteen at the moment, I guess there there's some impacts in terms of travel and movement. But are you have you guys in the field at the moment? Uh, skeleton crew, I mean. Right. Yeah, we we kept. We, we shut our project down into isolation in March and kept the crews there as long as we could. And they, they left site 10 days ago now. Okay. Um, effectively, we finished the RC drilling okay. uh, and we got to a point where we had to bring some international consultants in and we couldn't do that. So we, we shut it down. So you're what? So mostly desk research. Is there much to be getting on with? Have you got enough information to get on with? Right now, I mean, that's desk work, office work we have. Um, right. The, the field work that we've got to get on with now is we just sort of touched on it briefly in our press release this morning. We're starting to get some exploration targets coming out of the work with Goldspot Discoveries. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the way machine learning works and that. It's, I mean, to give to my expectation of their work is they're going to come up and they're going to say, here's 20 targets. 10 of them, you're going to go, oh, yeah, it's machine learning gone crazy. Out of the other 10, you're going to go, well, Five of these we already knew about, and then you can go, these five are interesting. There's something new that we couldn't find. And, I, and that's, so we're in the stage now where they're starting to give us that sort of first pile of 20 projects. And um, the guy skeleton crews on site will be sort of going to look at them in the field and just seeing if it looks real, looks like what they're saying it is, and if it is the target we think it might be. So just doing that initial filtering. Right, okay. No, those, the AI side of things is very, very exciting. We, we, we've spoken to a few companies who are uh, looking at that. In fact, we've actually got an AI uh, group coming on and telling us all about it, but it's evolving very, very quickly. It's exciting, exciting. It is very exciting, yes. It's in, I've been very impressed with what we've seen out of Godspot Discoveries. It's, the thing I've liked about them is they've got really good geologists and stuff, so we don't have to 
you know, teach them the geology because they're computer guys. They they know it and they know what our deliverables need to be. So yeah, they're impressive. I, I enjoyed working with them. Fantastic. Let's let's go back to the project itself. So let's talk about some of the grades. I know you, you put some some numbers out there, but can you give people a sense of what you're looking at on the phase one is, and I know you've got 19 kilometers of strike length there, which is obviously, a bit, that's an exciting big number, but it will require a lot of money. So let's focus on what you've got today. So what do those numbers look like? So currently, I think our, our average resource grade is probably about 1.3. Okay. Um, Normal. When, we, yeah. when we ran our PEA at 1250 gold, it, uh, the pits, obviously, you know, you leave some low grade behind and it came out at 1.45 as a production grade for that eight years. That's a pretty good guide. I think if we ran the pits now, looking at the infill drill results have sort of come in as expected or slightly better than expected. I would expect something similar with the caveat now that if we're running at a higher gold price, you'll have a lower cutoff, which will just drop that grade a little bit just because you're bringing in a bit more low grade at the bottom end. So, you know, round numbers. On a good day, there'll be a, you know, it'll be a gram and a half coming out of these open pits, but probably the average life of mine would be just under that. Yeah, so I think fairly normal for around there. In fact, talking of which, um, again, can you show, so who are the people around you to give, a, give people who perhaps not new, you know, new to your story, a sort of sense of, you know, w w the area that you're playing in? So our closest neighbor is a company I think you know, Sarabi, and Mike Hodgson. I so do. they've got Karinga just up the road, about 75 kilometers, which is right next door in Brazilian terms. <laughs> Um, so they're our closest neighbour. Right, different sort of play. That's a high, high grade underground. Absolutely, yeah. Very different sort of play. Yeah, yeah. But it's still nice. They're in the same township, so they're running town exams, cyanide. You know, it's a gold mine. Very well run. I mean, Mike runs a great show there, so I have a lot of respect for those guys. Yeah. But they're our closest partner. Um, you get further north, you get Token and Zinio, um, which is has some probably infrastructure challenges. Uh, south of us, you have the sort of the copper belt discovery by Anglo, which we don't know too much about at this stage, but that, that drilling is just in the north of um, Mato Grosso, to the south of us. Right, okay. And do, you mentioned the word infrastructure there. I mean, what's it like around here? Because again, you know, we have this perception of, you know, it's wet for a lot of a lot of the year. How do things get done? Yeah, no, so we're uh, we're really lucky. It's, and it is pure luck. Um, we're about 15 kilometers off of the sealed highway, okay. off of BR163, which goes up the middle of Pará State. There's power lines running up there. Uh, about 20 kilometers away is a town of just around 10,000 people, which is a good labor force. And um, and what's nice is, well, that, that town are people who were there for originally for logging, mining, agriculture. They used to work in the land. They're, they're not going to have, you know, they're not going to be the people who are going to be too concerned about having a mine 20 kilometers away. Yeah, okay. So... Your market cap is what, so circa sixty million uh, bucks at the moment. So that's good. You and you have been sort of, you know, you had a good year. You kind of were creeping up last year. People like the story, obviously. What do you think they're buying into? You know, I mean, obviously, we've seen what we believed in the project. You know, its simplicity and its potential scale. Um, but I think what they've seen now is the that other people are seeing it. You know, Royal Gold was a really nice validation you know, there. I'm not sure what the market cap of that is, seven or eight billion dollar corporation. Yeah, for them to look at this gave us a good credit mark. Um, you know, US Global, RBC, US Gold 2000, all of those groups, people I think start to look and go, hold on, there's some, there's some quality groups who do a lot of work and know what they're doing are, are buying into this early. Should we be looking at it? But I think that you know, Royal Gold really pushed people over the edge on that. 
So that, that helped us bring the crew, the people into it. Okay, and, and for this, for again, for phase one, what are you aiming for in terms of answers? I mean, you kind of, because you can keep going and you can keep going, but what are you we, doing? The phase one, the pre-feasibility study we're doing now, the aim is purely to replicate the PA. So okay. a million, 1.1 million ounce production is the target. Okay, and, um, and therefore the life of mine for that particular portion will stay the same. So Everything, right, yeah, the, yeah. the numbers will stay the same. Everything stays the same. The idea is it stays the same. Okay, and given what you've done before, your history, your track record before, what's the point at which you bug out, you leave, leave these shores and exit somehow? The way I see it, before we get this pre-feasibility study finished and published, I want to have a pretty good idea on how this is going to get built and who's going to build it and how it's going to work. I'm pretty agnostic to how that happens. I do know that, you know, that myself and the team we've got, we could do it, but there's probably people who could do it better. You know, it's not our core skill set where we have a big advantage over everyone else. Um, you know, so we can keep taking it forward, but we would, you know, we'll be looking for if there's a better option available for our shareholders over the next, you know, nine, 12 months as we're completing the PFS set. Okay. And, and that could, could, could look like anything. I mean, we're agnostic. It's, it's whatever's the best for the shareholders. Okay. And so to, and just, just so I get a, a point in, the, in, in my diary so I understand what you're yep. aiming for. This, this PFS has been slightly delayed, but you'd be aiming for what, Q1 or Q2 next year? I'll be a bit conservative and say Q2. Q2, okay. Yeah, because I don't actually know when I can get back to work yet in Brazil. This, this is true. This is true. And um, will you be tempted during that period if you can get between now and the end of the PSF? How much more exploration? You did mention that you would do a little bit more, but how much more drilling would you be tempted to do? I think the way we see it is we've got you know, some money allocated to do that exploration, and that's sort of a proof of concept testing, the initial yeah, testing yeah. only. Realistically, if you hit something, everything changes. You know, if you hit something good, then it's, you know, you're going to get a little bit of market reaction and you're going to raise money and you're going to go after it hard. Right. So, so I'm, I'm, that's obviously our hope. It's, it's, you know, there's no guarantees on that, but the hope is that we get something, we hit something, and then we can chase it down hard so that we achieve that aim of getting to, say, April next year, publishing PFS with round numbers, a million ounces coming out of it. And we can show that we've got some, you know, value in the rest of the project. Okay, and you've also got Goldspot doing a bit of work for you at the moment. Mm -hmm. What what have they told you? Um, they're at the point now where they're starting to generate targets for us. Um, so their work has been, like I said, been really impressive. I think it's good because we've got um, quite a detailed data set we've been building up between the optical telovir images, the downhole geophysics, surface geophysics, geochemistry far more than a human being can integrate into one at one time. So their work has been progressing. I think we signed a contract with them in December. We started the data transfers and then. Um, so yeah, so we're expecting them to come up. They've come up with some initial targeting now, which as I said, to go through. Yeah, the yeah, but over and above the targeting, is that, is that what you want? Is that why you bring them in? Just to say, well, where do we target? Or can, what, what I guess what the question should have been is, what other data sets are they interpreting for you and to what end? Is it all just geared towards targets? Okay, it is all geared towards targets. We, we went to them because we had a specific target in mind that for us to explore would be very expensive and we wanted to make that more efficient. Okay. So. Everything we've spoke about so far, what we're starting to see is this a long strike. Where's the best spot to hit 19 kilometers? Where's the best spot to find more additional conglomerate on the surface? 
that's all incremental growth and, and more open pit stuff. There's a, a, a geological model which we've been working on internally where there's a, could be a, a big deposit at depth, um, you know, sort of underneath where we're currently drilling because we're only drilling 120 meter holes. Um, and we want them to give us a target on that. And, and that's effectively, you know, the way gold deposits develop. I mean, it's a series of events that concentrates gold down from, you know, a couple of parts per billion in granite into something you can mine. To get it into the conglomerate, the Paleoplasa, you know, there was a series of events. At depth, there was one more event that happened, which was it got intruded by granite, remobilized the gold again. If that's concentrated the gold nicely, as we believe it have, and we've got a few little hints that it has because we've just sort of caught the edges of it in a couple of spots, mm. there could be a very large target at depth. And, and that's that's really what we wanted them to help us with. It's okay. like, give us that, how's the best way to target this and test this theory? So so the, the, the surface targets seem to be a, a high probability you know, but uh, but you know, it's like you know, it's incrementally more of the same. The low, the, the deep target is probably a lower probability, but if it's there, it's it's a game changer. It's a, and we want to make sure we don't get to the end of the PFS, have someone else come in and say, oh, we will take this off and move it forward, and they come in and do a one deep hole and go look at those turkeys missed, you know. <laughs> so are you, you get very excited about the technical stuff. What do you think of your share price? Is it a fair reflection of what you've achieved? Are you surprised? It's been really tough. It's been a surprise to us how tough it's been. Um, right now, you know, you feel like you, we, we, would have, we should have more value. We've got something real and we've got good upside. When I look at other companies that are marketing good exploration potential or, or a deposit, not, not both together on the same platform. Um, but then you also look at some of the other projects. I mean, everyone is beaten up. So it's pretty hard to say we're massively undervalued compared to everyone else. But I think if we're successful this year, it's going to look pretty cheap right now. So, you know, I, I would like to see it higher for sure. It's been, you know, it's been since 2015, but it's been tough, tough environment. It's yeah. Been tough to get noticed, really tough, right? Yeah. It's been tough to get noticed. It's been tough to raise money. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, it's been a real tough thing. Insiders and associates have 27% of this company. That's a big chunk of change. Yeah. Um, yep. How much of that is management? Directly, man, direct man, management and directors. Um, management directors probably hold 12, 14%, 12% probably. Okay. So, so not bad. And, and then there's sort of friends and family and associates, equal amount again. Right, okay, okay. That, so random, yeah. Right, and, and how much do you hold actually? I've got uh, just under 2 million shares. Okay. So I went up bought in a couple of years ago. So right. Okay. I had to, I had to buy them all. <laughs> yeah. you, you got. You got it. Well, it's, it sends a message to the market if you, you know, if you're buying shares, especially to the retail, which is again a big big piece of this. Um, and so, so who are the institutions that have come in? Obviously, you've got a NSR over there with Royal Gold, but who are the names? Uh, U.S. Global, our big shareholder. That's you know, Frank Holmes out of San Antonio, Texas. They've got maybe 18 percent of us, maybe now. Uh, Gold 2000 out of Zurich have six or seven percent of us our rbc in canada in toronto have five percent maybe they're, they're the sort of the, the three big ones and then there's probably 
half a dozen others down with you know, a few million shares each. So. Okay, so it's a, it's a nice split. I mean, I was, again, it's just getting through chat, chat rooms and so forth and just sort of trying to see who's talking about you. I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of chatter. Is that, I guess, got to come with, as far as you're concerned, when you get to PFS stage or, you know, do you, do you want to get out there? I mean, what, what do you want to try and achieve? Up until, up until the Royal Gold Investment came in August last year, we had, like you said, money was so hard to come by. Um, and we just would go to these investment funds, grab the money we could, and everything went into the ground. It was like a decision. $12,000 for marketing or you know, an RC hole was about $12,000, about $12,000 for that. It's always one more hole. So we just did very, very little marketing. Um, when Royal Gold came in, we got a larger check. We've actually allocated sort of, you know, starting in sort of September, October last year to actually market the company for the first time with a formal marketing plan and with you know, some people helping us. So it's fairly new, the marketing side of it. So we do want to keep that going now, yes. That's great. No, that's great. Now, I think it's really, really important for you to do that. And, you know, because I'm talking to people like us, you know, it's, it's part of that, part of that is because I'd, I'd yeah. agree with you. There were a lot of companies who approached us on the investment side with very similar stories, perhaps where you would have been pre-Royal Gold and yeah. to distinguish between them as another is South possible, American yeah. one million ounce resource story. It was like, uh, sure, I don't yeah. know, what to, I don't know yeah, what to do. No, but, absolutely. Uh, and, and also pre sort of 2019, 18, you, know, you could sometimes you could talk to the whole world and it wasn't going to change a thing for a while there. Yeah, yeah. So, so now there's now there's an audience to listen as well. So, yeah, Fantastic. so we are trying to get the word out the level. Great. Okay. Well, I think you've done a I think you've done a good job. Um, uh, thanks very much for telling us that story. Appreciate. I understand the business model and it makes sense. You know where you sit and you know where you want to exit if you can so that's that, yeah. it's quite well, we know our skill plan. set i think it's a better way yeah that well exactly not many do yeah not many do nick yeah. <laughs> well hey, thanks thanks for your time today appreciate that stay in touch with us let us know how you're getting on um i know it's difficult times with covid but i'm sure you'll be back at it uh drilling away soon absolutely thank you very much thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.